What's up, everybody? It's Jason, host of Founders BR, where we are sharing the stories of Baton Rouge's business leaders and creators. And on today's episode, we have Landon Snow. Landon Snow is the founder and president of Snow Consulting, is doing big things in the Baton Rouge area. On the episode, we hear how Landon helps scale an organization to over 350 people while serving as vice president of culture, to how he has been able to establish the Baton Rouge-based church Cedar House along with his wife, Stacy. To say this man is pretty incredible is an understatement. So without further ado, check out today's episode. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. I'm here with Landon Snow. He is the president of Snow Consulting, also works uh, for Brown Industries, and uh, is really a, just an, an amazing creator and a considered privilege to call a friend. So this is Founders BR. We're a podcast here that is celebrating and sharing the stories of business leaders and creators in the city of Baton Rouge. And so I'm so excited to have Landon here. Landon, welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm, I'm honored to be a part. And uh, last time we sat down in front of a mic, it was uh, for my podcast. So I'm super honored to be here, excited, looking forward we're, to it. We're flipping the sides here. The, the, the tables have turned. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I have tremendous respect for you. We go back, all back to our enterprise days where I had the fortunate pleasure of having you as my mentor and leader. I still use a lot of, I know, (laughs) I still use a lot of the things having worked for you. There's still a lot of things I carry to this day about how I lead my team, how I influence others. And so I try to emulate a lot of things. And I say that from a really genuine place, Savannah. So I'm super excited to have you here. I think you've done such amazing things with your career and what you're doing in the community. And so excited to give you a platform here to share some of those stories. So for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about Landon Snow and who you are and what you do. Yeah, so kind of brief snapshot. Born and raised here in Baton Rouge. Uh, this is home. I love Baton Rouge. Grew up my whole life here. Met my wife at LSU. She played soccer at LSU. That's how we met. Okay. She's from Seattle, Washington. So after we graduated from school, we actually moved out to Seattle for about five years, and now we've moved back here to Baton Rouge. We've been here for six years. I went and did a little traveling, but we're back home in Baton Rouge's home. I have four daughters because I'm a man of faith and a little bit of crazy at the same time. <laughs> Pray for me, please. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's unbelievable. I have four daughters, eight, five, three, and one that, as of today. Uh, we love just kind of family's the highest priority. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the reasons why I moved back, uh, the time frame that I moved back is my friend, Scott Brown, started Brown Industries and started uh, landing some large civil construction contracts in the industrial market all along uh, the Mississippi River. And uh, so I came back and started working for him as uh, one of the leaders of Brown Industries, which was really great. We started very small. Now I've scaled up uh pretty large, you know, for us, pretty large and got to make, had the privilege of making a lot of mistakes along the way and learning along the way on how to build something that is thriving internally and uh, also offers a good product to other people. So yeah, it's a little bit of the history there. And then along the way of that, I started Snow Consulting. So it's kind of the, to bridge those two, what I started doing for Brown Industries is um, really I was the head of personnel. Technically, my title is actually VP of culture today. So when we talk about the word culture, it's creating a thriving work environment. It's kind of like the personality of an organization, the behavioral patterns and why each organization chooses those behavioral patterns. And so uh, I was over HR, recruitment, personnel, structuring, those type of things. And um, as Brown grew to a place where I didn't need to be so hands-on, I started taking that third party as well. And so that's where, as of today, which leads me to still one of the leaders of Brown, 
and also Snow Consulting, where I do I build uh, employee life cycles that work. It's kind of the the tangibles of it, but it all falls under the heading of having a great work environment. And I'm sure we'll get into this, but I've just found that if you take care of your people, have an ecosystem of positivity within the workplace that's self-aware and authentic, most everything falls into place. That's what we learned at Brown. As of today, it's around 350 people. And uh, we've tried to keep that same kind of uh, backbone. So yeah, and then uh, along the way, Throughout all that, snow started, and I guess a quick snapshot of, of who I am. It's incredible. I've always been impressed with the amount of things that you've been able to accomplish in a short period of time. I want to unpack that a little bit. You went from, you were in Seattle, mm-hmm. and you got a, a young family, and you decided, okay, I'm coming home. Yeah. And you come back to Baton Rouge. And not only do you come back to Baton Rouge, you decide to start this new venture, which for a lot of people, it can be scary. You know, there's a lot of challenges and things that come with starting a new venture, stepping out. You know, how did you, when you came that, how did you get, get to that decision where you said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. How did you make that change? Yeah, great question. Uh, kind of multiple lanes of how I would I'd respond to that, I think. First off, Scott Brown's the owner. I grew up with Scott, born and raised, went to church with him. I know his uh, moral compass. I know his character. I know the kind of guy he is, doing things above table, very honest. Mm-hmm. And I uh, also just know his work ethic and his just ability and capacity as an entrepreneur to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of trust in that decision. Scott was a big part of that for me to come back and kind of be his right-hand guy for that season. And So it was a lot to that. Now, obviously, on the personal front, my wife and I both felt like we just felt like Baton Rouge was home and, and not trying to over spiritualize it. We just felt like it was God put it on our heart to, mm-hmm. to come back and be a part of Baton Rouge. And we love Baton Rouge. So there was definitely a lot of family agreement and alignment on that decision, which I would encourage anyone to any decision needs to be mutual in the household for it to be, have long-term success. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and then coming back, I mean, Scott had landed this one large contract with Honeywell which was kind of the backbone for a while. And um, that's when I got involved and it just kind of kept expanding. So I, I think I, I had lived with enough risk in Seattle. I got the risk bug in me and I got a lot of the fear out of the way in my 20s to say, you know what, if we're going to make impact, we got to take some risk. If we're going to make impact. We're going to have to just kind of roll the dice a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so definitely did that. So it was a lot of trust involved and also just, you know, a lot of faith and risk at the same time. And yeah, it kind of landed what it is today. So, And I knew that working at Enterprise, which I loved so much, I actually learned a tremendous amount from Enterprise. Mm-hmm. I would tell everyone young out of college to go work at Enterprise for a year if you don't know what you're doing. Which is most of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I had no idea what I was doing. Right. But I knew I kind of wanted something small, something I could really, you know, kind of have my hands on it, kind of like a startup feel. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the opportunity presented itself. So all things just kind of crossed same time so you the big risk first risk was seattle sounds like yeah you know i moved out there we didn't know my wife was a is a was an rn yeah and so she had a job okay and she had grandparents that lived out there at the time right so that was literally the only connection yeah so that was definitely you know just kind of getting away from home breaking the norm right everything in my life was within a 15 mile radius till i was 24 right in Baton Rouge, which yeah. is, you know, you got so. a stone's throw from every resource you need. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm, you know, not sheltered in a, 
bad way, just in a, sure. you know, I'm in an environment where I'm yeah. going to California yeah. and Seattle and those kind of places. But that was the like first it. risk where you stepped out and said, we're going to do this on our own. We're becoming, we're becoming our own a couple. Yeah. That's kind of what that felt like. Yeah. yeah. So that was a definitely a step, a step of faith and risk. And in that time, I started, got heavily involved with a lot of nonprofits mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, it just kind of took off from there. That's awesome. Yeah. So you took that risk and that really kind of set up this ability where you had this new opportunity come. So you come back home, you know, you have a long-term friend with Scott Brown. And it sounds like a key part of that is having that level of trust. That's got to yeah. be a major foundation. Yeah. And so it sounds like you had that. So you take that, you get with Brown. How many how many employees were you when y'all started? I think it's like, well, so it was five of us from like a corporate level is what I'd say. Yeah. It was about 40 employees yep. total at that time. Gotcha. And yeah. what year was that? Ooh, 12. 2012. I think so. Maybe at the end of 2011. Okay. Yeah. And y'all are at 350 people now? Yeah, 350 right now. Now, we're in the construction game where it's project-heavy, project-based. Sure. So it'll fluctuate from – we've been around th- floating from three to 400 for the past 12 right. months. Right. But, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of ebbs and flows. Yeah. Sure. So you take, you go from in 2012, 40 employees, and you scale that in just six years, six, seven years, to 300, three yeah. to 400 people ebbs and flows up at that, right? Holding on for dear life. <laughs> that, is, that is incredible growth. And you did yeah. that right here in Baton Rouge, which yeah. is amazing. Yep. You know, I, you and I have had so many talks about culture because I'm a big believer in that as well. I think it's it's such a foundation. And I think you took that and you you took that to Snow Consulting and you're helping other businesses learn what does it mean to have a really thriving culture? Yeah. How do you maintain that with that crazy trajectory? I mean, that yeah. arrow was pointing way up. Yeah. Yeah. How do you maintain that within an organization? Because when I, every time I interact with anybody Brown, that is something that permeates everybody. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? for an organization that grows and to especially that size. Yeah. In one sense, I, you know, I always tell people that culture is actually really easy. It just has to be executed with intentionality. So mm-hmm. I guess I'd start from the top. Culture is a giant manifestation of its leadership. Mm-hmm. There is no way around that. Mm-hmm. And so if leadership is true to who they are, I use the word self-awareness a lot. Mm-hmm. If they have self-awareness and they manifest who they are and their goals into the organization, everyone will catch that. So I'd say there's, there's four phases to this is kind of the elementary soil mm-hmm. of creating a culture. Mm-hmm. The first one is through self-awareness, leadership, creating mission and core values that truly articulate who they are. And so we started that at Brown early on. We thought, okay, we have good leadership in place. We have a people first mindset. We need to create language that is transferable for the employees and the team to really grab. And so we did that. So created mission and core values really tell you where you're going, what's in bounds and what's out of bounds. The second part is you have to, I hate using the word fire, but you have to hire and fire by those. And so you start recruiting by that and you start the people who don't are not bought into that. They just, they can't stay. But typically what happens is when, when you start down that path, the employees that don't fit, they just stick out. You know, it's, it's not like you have to have a bunch of, rough conversations, although that is a part of it too, especially if you've already started as a company, say you're six years in and then you want to change, start making changes. It's going to be some headache to it. But um, yeah, so it's creating mission and values, hiring, firing, and buy it. And then stage three is what I call a tipping point, which we definitely experienced this at Brown is where when your culture starts recruiting people, you're in a really good spot. Mm -hmm. We've had so many people who have come to want to work at Brown because of the culture. People have nothing to do with the construction 
market at right. all. Just right. want to come work at Brown, which right. is, that's a really good sign. Yeah. And then stage four is just maintenance. You just have to stay true to it. Culture will fall apart. It's like it's, anything else. It's just like anything else. You have to stay on top of it. It has to take intentionality. There's no way around it. So we we basically did that. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot more to it, but that's just kind of the four steps that we took. We do them today. Our life cycle process has a lot to do with that. We recruit by our mission and values. We onboard by our mission and values. We give feedback by our mission and values. We do leadership trainings by our mission and values. We do company-wide videos and podcasts we send out from our mission and values. It all comes back to that. If you came to a company meeting at Brown, 60% of it is the heart. People, Mm. how we doing, how we communicating, how can we get that better? And we find that everything else kind of falls in place. Now, I would say this. One of the things is for Scott and I, we were really aligned in vision. And so I'd say it's really important. It was very important for me. I would suggest this for anyone. Get in a leadership team where you're really aligned in vision. Because if you're carrying out the same vision, it's contagious. Mm. But if not, it's going to be broken from the top. Yeah. And so for me, it was really easy to dive straight in with, with Scott. Just kind of work kindred spirit. What was that vision you don't mind sharing? Uh, yeah, so it's the mission. So we created yeah. a mission statement. Our mission is to create jobs that lead people into their potential by fostering a culture of value and significance. Wow. So it was basically, in, in, you know, in our terms, scale, Yeah. create a great opportunity for everyone who's here, and then the whole time have a thriving work environment. Right. So we didn't, typically you hear about scaling and culture as polar opposites or fighting. Mm-hmm. We looked at it like we believe we can marry those two. And yeah. we found that when you marry them, it actually works better. Wow. Does that make sense? So Absolutely. Thriving work environment, people first, things will take care of themselves. Right. Extremely empowering environment. A lot of companies are doing this as well. But if you just delegate trust and empower, it's amazing what a, what a mind can do without right. controlling it through fear manipulation. Right. And so we're, we're really, really big on that. That's incredible. I think it's interesting that, you know, I wanted, I wanted to hear that vision because the vision wasn't, we want to grow to be the largest in XYZ in XYZ industry. Right. Our goal was to, you know, have X market share of whatever. The goal was to empower your people yeah. to live lives of, of meaning and fulfillment. Probably said it better than I did. Yeah, but um, that's 100% but, right. But that's so interesting that you and Scott had that as the same vision. If you grow to be the leader with industry, that is a result of you living out this vision, which is that level of empowerment for your people. Yeah, I mean, Scott will say, he says in front of the whole company now, whenever I do the same thing of, hey, look, if that's not happening, we don't want a business. It's just running a company, period. But as one that's trying to scale and one is at 350 people is not worth the headache if it's not going to enrich people's lives. Mm. It's just not. I mean, there's yeah. if it was all about money, we'd be doing it a whole it's this reciprocity. It's, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. If it was all about money, we'd be doing it differently. But the reality yeah. is when you just do the right thing first, money seems to follow. Yeah. But if you then when the money follows because of kind of your heart posture, mm-hmm. you know what to do with it. Yeah. And so it sounds backwards, but it's it's actually yeah. achieving a similar goal, but with a, yeah. with a heart. And yeah. Mind. Well, I can relate. You know that we talk about that a lot at Enterprise yeah. too, which is, you know, we put employees first yeah. and profits will follow. And mm-hmm. uh, so I, I 100% agree with you, but I think it's really Interesting that you took that from day one and said, hey, we're going to make this a priority and we're going to integrate it into every meeting. Everything that we do resonates with this vision. I agree because I think that's so important for any business to truly be successful is if you don't have that 
you don't think you have a culture, then there's one there. You yeah, just you, didn't, you you didn't have drive one. it. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're just not in charge of it. Right. That, that is a, there is every company, every environment has a culture, whether you like it or not. Right. Um, it's just how well you nourish it. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So Landon, I think it's so impressive. And I, here's one thing that I really am curious on, and you may not have an answer for this because you may say, Jason, there's, not, there's never been this situation. Everything that you, I've, I've had the fortunate pleasure to see you at Enterprise. And while you were there, you were very successful. You performed well. You had recognition. And I think that's also have been a foundation of some of the things that you've carried on throughout your career. Mm-hmm. You know, then you've gone on and you see Brown and it explodes. And I think you're doing really well at Snow Consulting. Anything that you touch, where has Landon said, whoops, that didn't go right? <laughs> and how did you learn from that? Or what did you take away that's helped you later on down the line? Yeah, Great question. No, it definitely happens on a regular basis. I think if that's not happening, you're probably not trying. You know? <laughs> sure. I, I, I haven't really started anything that hasn't worked, mm-hmm. like overall, like as an entity or something. Yeah. And work is relative to the goal of what working means, Yeah. but to each person. Yeah. But uh, man, I, I'd say as far as learning how to run an organization and create a thriving work environment, we made massive mistakes. You know, at first it was people can do whatever they want. We, when we first started translating the message of what it means, first off, just communicating what it means to have a good culture. People started thinking it was like a, like a spa, (laughs) do whatever you want. Right. Right. Where's my ping pong table. Yeah. It had that feel to it. Kind of do whatever you want. I think learning how to execute well with kindness is really key from what I've learned. Going the extra mile for people, never pulling the rug out from some from under someone, but being honest and kind throughout the whole process. There really is no gimmick that can go around being honest and being kind. There's not a strategy. You know, it's a, it's a famous saying that um, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm. There is no strategy to having a great culture from an underpinning kind of lying standpoint. It mm-hmm. has to be above the table. It has to be honest. And so I'd say, man, we made massive mistakes with that. When I talk about the employee life cycle, it's bringing, learning how to hire well, learning how to transition well, learning how to onboard well. Feedback is huge. Learning how to set someone else up through feedback. I mean, we made massive mistakes in all this. And then having structure in place where as you're scaling, you're able to handle all of that. We learned a lot about that as well. So uh, definitely making mistakes. I mean, I encourage them. I mean, I'm still, I'm like everyone else. I, I don't want to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I'd say if I go a week and I didn't really make a mistake, I'm thinking I probably didn't grow. Mm-hmm. But uh, definitely made some massive mistakes in the whole process. Yeah. yeah. It's, you, you say honesty and kindness, right? Yeah. It sounds so simple, mm-hmm. but yet it's so hard to do. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Man, I think, I think in society today, we've made it a bit more complicated. I have. I mean, I, I thought... You know, there was some unique strategy I could read in the 22nd book that I could, you know, yeah. get to or the ninth. Where's podcast. the line that's going to fix? Yeah, that. how can all this fix? And it's like, man, it just goes back to just honestly biblical principles, just healthy principles yep. of, man, just be honest, be kind, do the right thing. We would, uh, I'm trying to think of good examples. It's like, hey, instead of giving someone really honest feedback, I'm going to kind of beat around the bush and fluff a little bit so I'm going to get their feelings hurt. And right. the reality is it's not helping anyone. Right. Now, the other side of it is don't go out and be a jerk. Yeah. That's what I mean with kindness. Yes. That, that's an example. I think you keyed in on something there, though. When people hear honest, it sounds like, and I'm going to translate a little bit, 
When people hear honest and kindness, they just think friendly. Yes. That's not just what overtly mean. friendly. Yes. And that is not what you're saying. No. You know, for someone listening, going, honest, God, well, gosh, I can be friendly with everybody. That's not being honest and kindness. Mm-hmm. I agree that I think if you truly love somebody, you're honest with them. Yes. Now there's different ways you can execute that love yeah, and execute right. the translation of that. Yes. But I think that's what you're saying. You know, what you're saying is not being friendly. Yeah. It's being open. Yes. It's being whether it's good or bad. Yes. It's being open. Yeah, I think that. Being friendly, fueling positivity, definitely. But at the same time, people need to know, I want to know. I want to know when I mess up. I want to know when something's not right. I want people to give me feedback. I want to know how I've gotten off. I want employees to tell me. I give them open forum. Hey, please tell me how I can set you up better for success. So, yeah, having honesty and kindness throughout the whole thing is, is definitely key. In business, truly, if you want to be someone's friend, you need to be honest and kind. Yeah. It really is. That is the true way to have healthy friendships within an organization. No question. I agree. That's really interesting. So you do all these things. Yeah. Landon is, you, you got Brown, you got Snow, you've got Cedar House, you've got four daughters. Uh-huh. God bless you. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've got, you've, you've built this family. You've got all these wonderful things, man. Well-respected within the community. How do you manage that? For someone who's like, man, I feel like I'm struggling, dude. I got my two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do my work with Enterprise Holdings. You know, what is it? How do you manage all those things? And how does Landon wake up and say, okay, here's how I'm going to make sure that I don't, I don't drown in all this? Yeah. Great question. And I appreciate that compliment. I try my best to do it all the best I don't say I stuff I don't mean, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. I really do. I'd say a couple things on that. There's just a couple age-old principles that I would, would use. First off, my wife is always in line with what I'm doing. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, my priorities are always family first. So I can't go create another business or start another nonprofit if that's not in line. So those are just kind of underlying things. If you want long-term success, short-term, it'll work long-term. At the end of my life, my wife loving me and my kids thinking I'm relevant <laughs> is my highest goal. So, uh, but yeah, right. that 80-20 principle. 20% yeah. of your energy brings you back that 80% of return. Man, I live by that. Yeah, free as principle. Absolutely. I can't tell you how much that means to me. Of, I agree. I'm not going to run around crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to value add things that return into the organization, mm-hmm. return into my life, return into my family. Everything should be looked at through that lens, in my opinion. Delegating well. Man, I, uh, having the ability to attract talent and then delegate tasks, not dumping not, you know, but setting others up for success and empowering them mm-hmm. is a skill that I've still in process with, but I have learned for sure. And so there's no way I could be doing everything I'm doing without really awesome people around me and my ability to trust and delegate. If in a business setting, if you can't delegate something, if you're worried about it, you probably have the wrong person or that person's in the wrong position. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you have a trouble with delegating, first off, it's a control issue. You need to trust and then if you do trust and it's not working, just need to look at personnel and maybe how to, it, it doesn't mean to let that person go, just adjust expectations and things like that. Everything I do as well has synergy to it. So what I mean by that is, although I'm in civil construction, the reality is I'm in people, whether it's church, uh, snow consulting or Brown, I focus on humans. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so everything that grows in my world feeds the other Mm-hmm. in a really good way. It's not like I'm selling a chair and then I'm over here doing a, you get, I get, I get that saying, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And then I'd, I'd say is you know, huge, just again, just kind of age old principles, who you're around 
is so big. Who's pouring into your life? Who's saying good job? Who's saying, hey, that feels out of bounds? Those type of things. I try to surround myself with people who are further along than me in areas. Mm-hmm. And man, if you can do that, it helps so much to all of that stuff. But man, it's a daily, weekly, monthly topic. How are we spending our time? It's a non-renewable resource. How are we getting it back? That is so constant in my mind. What kind of return am I getting on my time? And I'd say this as a culture first person. That doesn't mean what makes the most money. It's just for you and your internal moral code. How do you want to leave an impact? And how do you want to influence people's lives? And so for some people listening to this podcast and some part of my life too is like, man, that could just be serving at a nonprofit Mm -hmm. that has no tangible resource return. Mm -hmm. So in in any way, do I mean that you stack it up by a monetary value? Mm -hmm. Obviously money is laced into every decision, but really getting a return on what kind of life you want to lead, Mm -hmm. I think is, is really key. So yeah, it's a, it's a work in progress, but there's a couple things on top of my head. That's awesome. I agree. I think, I think time is the only limited resource that we truly have. And so how you pick and choose where you spend that time and what do you get in return for where you're spending it is really important. Absolutely. And without prior to prioritizing that, like I said, if you don't think you have a culture, you do. You just yeah, got to yeah. control it. And if you don't think you're, you're not controlling your time well, you are in a sense when you're not doing it, it's going to be led by other people will, will dictate where you spend your time. So, yes. you know, I think you had mentioned that it takes a tribe. It takes, a, you know, for to anything to be accomplished. Has there been any specific mentors, influencers, leaders, people that you've looked up and you said, man, that's what I want to emulate? In my life mm-hmm. or media, anything? Any, it can be any, it doesn't you have know, to be anybody, I'll anybody, make, yeah, person you know, don't know. Definitely name a couple of them. Yeah, as I mentioned, Scott Brown, the owner of uh, Brown mm-hmm. Industries, him yep. and uh, co-owner Josh Fuller have been a huge influence in my life. Very mm-hmm. close friends with those guys. Actually live next door to Scott. Linked at the hip for sure, but huge from an entrepreneurial standpoint, uh, no question. That has been big for me. You know, on a tangible level, it's something I'd definitely say is kind of a longing in my life that I don't have on a tangible basis. It's kind of some older people who have gone further than me, say in Baton Rouge. So if you're listening to this podcast and you want to mentor me, please let me know. (laughs) Uh, Lunch on me. Um, You know, I haven't been able to really foster that yet from a Mm -hmm. tangible, hey, I did a business and this worked and I want to kind of mentor you. Yeah. As far as on media and things outside, sure. I'm big on, so I know you are too, oh, yeah. podcasts, mm-hmm. YouTube channels, mm-hmm. books. I, I cannot stress to you enough how much if you need to be mentored, read some books. Yeah, yeah I would say just a couple off the top for mm-hmm. me. You know, we mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk, mm-hmm. big one. Tim mm-hmm. Ferriss, another big one. There's a guy named Jordan Peterson. He's got a book called 12 Rules of Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fantastic. There's a guy named Bill Johnson. He's a pastor in Redding, California. Wildly influential in my life. And then I just read any type of one-off book, whether it's you know a storytelling book or on Google's culture, different things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely those type of things. Businesses that have people first in mind is big. You know, like even even as small as it sounds so funny and don't tr- the rabbit trail of Instagram, you'll get in trouble. But <laughs> following a Tony Robbins, following a Richard Branson, those guys, what are they paying attention to? What are they putting their their thoughts to? You know, mm-hmm. those type of things that, mm-hmm. that goes really long way. Yeah. I think it's um well 
Side note, if Gary Vaynerchuk, Tim Ferriss, Jordan Peterson, Bill Johnson, Tony Robbins, or Richard Branson are listening, Landon is looking for a, um, for and he will treat you to lunch. I'm sure you're not <laughs> busy, you Tony want. Robbins, you yeah. know, for on, fair trade. He's usually about like a <laughs> 2000 bucks, I'm sure, per minute, but, you know, lunch. Probably. <laughs> I'll fly to your private island. And <laughs> no, that's, uh, I, I agree. I think I, I spend a lot of, you know, when I talk with others, uh, when I get posed that question, investment in yourself doesn't have to necessarily be with other, although I think it's extremely important to have mm-hmm. the right network of people and, and positive influences in your life. Mm-hmm. But you can get that from anywhere. If you're in an isolated situation where you're like, I just don't have that in my, where I'm at or I just don't have access to it right now, yeah. there are people out there you can access because of the advent of technology that exists. Yes. And so I think some folks look at that as a, as a negative. We can make it a negative, if, yes. how you use it. But it also can be a very big positive. A and big, so, big it's and a net so, positive if you leverage it well. Yes, no you, just, you have to respect that. You are in control and you make something positive or negative. Mm-hmm. So make sure how you use those portals, make sure it's for positive. But I agree. And those are some influencers. And we've talked about this uh, that yeah. I think can pour a lot of value in. Yeah. And I'd say this too with the people around me, as far as mentors don't have a lot in my immediate circle, but there are people around me where if I started slipping, would let people around you speak into yes. your life. There are people around me who would say, hey, man, it just feels wrong. Something's not right. Why mm-hmm. are you doing this? That kind of thing, which is a really big key. Yep. All right, so Lane, I want to take, and we're going to take some fun questions here. We All talked right. a little bit about your business. We talked about what has allowed you to be successful. This is for folks on a budget, okay? Okay. What purchase of $100 or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months or recent memory? All right, so what's some, some 100 bucks or less, somebody on a budget, you can go get something that positively impacted your life, 100 bucks or less? That's a fantastic question. The two things that come to mind, one is uh, a little bit over 100. Okay. But, You're the uh, range, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank on the name of it. It's the automatic, the robot vacuum cleaner in the house. Okay. Uh, a Roomba. I, Roomba, yes. Roomba. The Roomba. My wife's love language okay. is service, which means she ah. just, if like, she would, I can, I, I play music and sing sometimes. Yeah. She would rather I clean the house than like write her a song. Yeah. That's just the way she is, which I love her with all my heart. Yeah. And so the Roomba does work for me, so I don't have to. And that's been huge. Another that's one is great. from a business standpoint, there's a lot of different time tracking tools. It's funny. I'm actually holding one in my hand. Okay. It's called a Timular. It's right at a hundred bucks. Uh-huh. And it's basically a time tracking tool where as you adjust, you can adjust what you're doing. You, you. Do you have one? I want to get one, but now you sold me. Uh, you gotta get it. And so all the guys in the office, we're, we're using them. It's it's really good. I've used different time tracking tools, like five dollar apps. Yeah. But like this is, you literally take it and you turn it. So like right now, this would be. You could turn it to. Uh, yeah, just yeah. turn it. This is what I'm doing right now, and mm. turn it to the next thing. It's like a tangible thing, and I like kind of doing that, like holding like you yeah. know, markers and stuff. Wow. So I, I would say that. That's good. Yeah. That's the plug. See, look, I'm getting something for that. I literally have the app downloaded. There you go. And because I, I want to manage, I do the same thing. I want to know where I'm spending my time, so making sure I'm being as efficient as possible. Yeah. But when I have the app, rarely do I stop and then pull up the app and then click too it. Much. It's too much. It's yeah. already, even though it's like, it's too, no, yeah. it's too much. Already yeah. too much. I don't do it. Yeah. But if I, ha- I saw it, if I could just turn it and then it starts it's tracking it. Yes. So now you've got, you've already got one. Timeler if you're out there. Timeler if you're listening. <laughs> that's a plug for you. All right. There you go. Okay. What's an unusual habit or absurd thing that you love? Some, some random thing about me that I don't really, I guess no one asks me. I enjoy red wine. Okay. 
and I am a part of a wine club. Word, all right. That is organic, no sugar added, nitrate free. And so it actually... Do you have the little thing that you can spoon into wine that is not nitrate free that gets them? No. Okay, I got a gift for you now. The under a hundred dollar gift that sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, so it's not necessarily an unusual habit, but I'm I'm, That's I'm, awesome. I'm growing in my palate for red wine, and this wine club has got me pretty excited. I love it. It's very good. It lowers the alcohol content. It's yep. like pure kind of like old country wine. I love it. That's kind of fun. I love it. Okay, I love it. All right, here's here's a fun one. What's your walking to the plate song? Coming to bat song. So high school basketball would have been like. Uh, unashamedly, like a little Wayne. Okay, yeah, type yeah. Song, you know, yeah. That, that would have got me hype. Uh, at this stage, uh, I have four girls. There's this new artist right now. Uh-huh. It's Maggie Rogers. Okay, she kind of has this like indie dance sound that my daughters love. Okay, and there's basketball going in the backyard. Yeah, and we'll put on some Maggie Rogers and they <laughs> dance around. It gets me a little new life. phase of life. Brings that's the hype. New of phase of life. Yeah, but you know, if it's like I saw a meme the other day that's like a man driving in his car on his nine to five, like <laughs> listening to like songs about like drug dealing and <laughs> right. gangster rap. Right. I, I get there's still a little bit of that in me every once in a while. I get to get yeah. hyped up, you know. Yeah. To like old New Orleans rap or something. So I like that, it. That's in there. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. My, see, I have two girls, so my hype songs now like Let It Go, Frozen, yeah. and maybe a little Sophia tracks bringing yeah. it back old school. Uh, so I was so I there. It. I'm a couple years ahead of you. <laughs> yeah. it, it'll eventually think Taylor Swift. Oh, Taylor Swift is my child's idol. Okay, they're, yeah, they're so already, I do on, plenty, Taylor already okay. on Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah. That's they, they who she the, wants to be when she grows up. Uh, Not an artist. Taylor Swift. She yeah. wants to turn into Taylor Swift. Yeah. They, they get in the car <laughs> and just yell Taylor Swift. Taylor yeah. Swift. That's what they want. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I can relate. It's uh, We probably have similar walk-up songs, man. Uh, all right, last question. Uh, being a Baton Rougean, best place to get a cup of joe. Yeah. Best place for a business lunch. And what's the best dinner spot for you? Uh, okay. Cup of Joe. I'm going to say French truck. Local. I know the roaster. Mm. So I'm a little bit biased. But I'm not going to lie. District Donuts. Okay. Stumptown coffee. Okay. And when they're not in a rush and they make you like an Americano or what have you, it's mm-hmm. pretty quality. Mm. It's pretty good stuff. So I'm going to say those two. And you know your coffee, so. Yeah. I'm, I used to be a coffee snob. Yeah. So I'm going to say those two. Business lunch, you know, it's probably because of the location of my office. Mm-hmm. But French Market Bistro off of Highland Road. Absolutely. I just really like it. Laid back, not too expensive. It's one of the best Cuban sandwiches there. It's literally, uh, when I take clients or coworkers or employees, I just, they say, what's good? I'm literally like, everything. <laughs> everything <laughs> right. is just, you know, fantastic. Yeah. My wife is very along the lines of like more of like a cafe, like White Star Market. She loves that kind of vibe and that kind of thing. So we're not big on uh, sit-down dinners, especially with with four kids. Yeah, yeah. But man, yeah. Panetta's? Do you know, do you know I do what? not know Panetta's. Man, I, 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 I'm assuming it's still open. This might have been maybe 15 months or so since I've been there. Uh-huh. Over off of Acadian, close to Happy's and all that. Wow. Sullivan Steak. Always in my in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I, Sullivan. I, 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 Sullivan's and Panettas. I always like to find new ones. Panettas I have not heard. It's of. A little. Stacy and I, my wife and I, would go to. Um, that's where when we first got engaged, we would go there a lot. And I, I, I should have thought of this before. I'm pretty sure it's still a little Italian spot. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it feels it feels authentic. Panettas, I love it. Yeah. Awesome, Landon. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure having you on. How can we get in touch with you? 
yeah, for as far as Brown goes, brown-ind.com. Check out anything from Brown there. As far as Snow Consulting, snowconsulting.co, that's .co. As far as my church, cedarhousechurch.com, different ways to just kind of stay in touch with, with everything that's going on. And um, you can look me up in those different places. Would love to hear from anybody, any form of contact or just staying in touch with people around Baton Rouge just to continue to see Baton Rouge become everything that it's uh, made to be. Awesome. Appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Stay tuned for future guests as we continue to share the stories of Baton Rouge's business leaders and creators. Thanks so much.